Welcome back in Bill Michaels show football Friday Packers Bears Sunday night football coming up a loaded NFL week two after what was an interesting week one to say the least our guy Matt Mitchell he was on with us at 1050 it'll be available in the podcast afterwards if you want to go back given some bets for the weekend some trends it's a good way to look at the way that you know fantasy people and betting people view the sports it's a good it's good pieces of information to add to the bigger picture as to how they view offenses, who's valuable in terms of betting trends and maybe when teams are set to have a letdown spot or when they're set to bounce back. I do subscribe to the concept of, you know, a week one over reaction because one team lost and the other one, usually it corrects itself week two, as I've said uh, in college football, because there's no preseason week one is often a chaos time where it, the team you see week one is not close to the team you see throughout the season in college because they don't hit as much. They're not in preseason. They're not as refined as the NFL is week two. Then for those teams that have big emotional wins on the road uh, or yeah. at home against a rival, maybe week two is the big letdown spot because everybody maybe gets too high on a team. They overreact and then everything comes crashing down to earth because maybe the team that had won week one emotionally isn't that good. And that is how I view the Bears. Yes. Yeah. Also, like that game, I, I don't know if, if you didn't watch Bears Niners and you just heard it was raining. I don't know that you can really grasp how much it was raining. Like it wasn't just a rain game. That was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And Packers Niners last year, they played in the snow. And people, you know, smart football people that I've talked to, you know, on my show or whatever, they're like, eh, it was a weird game, fluky game. It was snowy. You know, sometimes when the conditions get weird, it just... It compresses everything. It's like Wisconsin basketball. You want to bring the better team down to your level or you want to bring the worst team up to your level. That's just kind of how it works. Weather has a tendency to do that. Again, the Bears just aren't that good. The roster isn't good. They don't have that many elite players. Yeah, speaking of the rain, there's a college football podcast I love uh, called, I'll give him a free shout out, the Cover 3 podcast, uh, CBS Sports. Tom Fernelli is one of the guys on it, and they they have their locks podcast on Thursdays of the best bets for the weekend. And they came on, and Tom said, yeah, you know, I couldn't do as much prep for this week as I would have liked because all of you laughed at how much rain was on the Bears field and laughed at what was happening when the team won. And, you know, just the chaos of it was very entertaining for those watching on TV. For me, I have seven inches of rain in my basement, and I've been trying to clean it out since. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was legit rain, man. So, yeah, it definitely, definitely mucks it up, if you will. Uh, not to it mention looked really looked really fun. It did look fun. That's one of those. Yeah. I, you go back to when you're a child, you have a soccer game or a football game, not baseball, because baseball, when it gets sloppy, it's just ugly. But like a, a rainy soccer game, nothing beats that, you know, you just slide around in the water or for you. It's Maybe rainy. You like a little kid watching that for you. It's rainy cross country, which what's no. the point? I'm trying to think if I ever ran in a really eh, muddy a little bit. What's what's great about cross country. Okay. Seeing we're talking about it as the season gets later, it gets colder. So the ground gets harder and faster. So typically you don't have to worry sometimes early on in the year. If you have a wet soft course, Oh, that's going to drag times down. Ben, it's going to drag them down. One would say a similar thing about golf. When it is firmer, the ball goes further yet. It one is could harder to control them. All right, NFL Week 2 coming up, and we'll get back into Packers-Bears and the Packers offense coming up. There's a Twitter poll up again at Ben Z. Kenny, uh, who is the most responsible for this Packers offense making it work? 
62% still say Aaron Rodgers. That is where I side. 27% say LaFleur. 10.6% do say the young wide receivers. NFL Week 2, though, coming up. I, it's it's an interesting slate for sure. A lot of big numbers. Uh, I just want to throw out thoughts from each game, and then you as well can give your reaction or how you view maybe the teams after what we've learned week one. The first, and this is just down in order of how I see it on ESPN, the Jets are playing the Browns in probably the most hideous jersey matchup I could ever think of. Yes, and I am going to go against the mainstream, and I'll just say it. The elf at midfield looks stupid. I don't like it. It's I know everyone else loves it that I've seen. I'm glad we're on the same page as usual. I I just think it's ugly. I don't like it. It's just kind of gimmicky. Like, win, you know? Be a successful (laughs) franchise. I didn't think that's what you're about to say. I thought you were about to go on some rant about aesthetics or logos or design or whatever, and you're like, win. Or, you know, don't give the biggest quarterback contract in history to someone who's a serial sexual assaulter, perhaps. Exactly. Like you have, you have committed so many misdeeds as an organization throughout the last year, the last 20 years. And the way that you kind of deflect the blame is putting a stupid elf in midfield, like figure a button yourself up, look inward, button yourself up, become a winning organization. And then the gimmicky stuff works, right? Like, the Packers could do it in theory and it'd be okay because they are so well run and they were so successful. So you can err on the side of, they know exactly what they're doing. The Browns, it's the opposite. They know, they know the opposite of what they're doing. Um, I don't know. I, it's obviously not going to affect the field of play, but I would love somehow the turf gods to get one of the Browns players as they run over it. Then we can blame the elf for the reason yeah. that he fell, even though it's not I'd love that. Like but, lucky the, the um, leprechaun in Boston. Same type of thing. Yes. Uh, yes. When they play on, on that. So that's Jets Browns. The commanders are playing the lions. And for me is, is there real hope for these teams kind of game? Uh, Carson Wentz played kind of well week one, did his best to hand the game away, but the defense showed up and they, and they beat the Jaguars and talk about an organization going through some stuff and it is not run. Well, that's the commanders a win here. I feel like, I, they're off the ground. There's some hope there. The Lions, after a, a loss at home to a good Eagles team, their first non-Thanksgiving sellout in years. Like, there's energy behind this Lions team. If they yeah. win, first time they're a favorite in 24 contests. If they win this game, then you really feel like the Lions have hope or or you feel like maybe they could, could sneak into above 500 playoff contention. This seems like an important game in that grand scheme. I agree. Here's my question about the Lions. And it's bigger picture than just this weekend. What's their next step? You know what I mean? This year, great culture. Young players get a little older because Jared Goff can't be the guy. Well, the next step is getting an elite quarterback. To, but but with what instrument? I mean, like, are they going to draft one, trade for one? Because if this Lions team is competent, like we think they're going to be, and they go 500 or slightly below maybe, they're not getting Bryce Young or the quarterback at Ohio State who whose name I know but is not Stroud. Str- CJ Stroud, thank you. Maybe Graham Mertz, take a flyer on him <laughs> late in the third perhaps. I don't know. I my worry is that the Lions have built a really solid base and they got the right coach and now they're going to be too good to be in the market for drafting a quarterback. This is a really good quarterback draft. It's really deep. Last year That's sucked. Nice. 
And it's a really deep one where you have Young and Stroud at the top. And then you could go through. There's the kid Devin Leary from NC State that many love. A bunch of people are obsessed with Will Levis at Kentucky. You can go to Miami and Tyler Van Dyke. There are a lot of intriguing options there. Anthony Richardson okay. at, at Florida. Who's, who's the Utah guy? Is he any Cam good? Rising. That's him. Yeah. I, I don't know NFL-wise. I don't know how he's viewed in NFL circles. Great college, definitely. He also hasn't started a full year. He didn't start all of the games for them last season, so maybe okay. to be determined. But there are many quarterback prospects. Oh, God. I'm throw up. <laughs> uh, many quarterback prospects out there. He that also, helps. like, the black and yellow aesthetic just adds to how bad, you know, that offense is in Iowa. Yeah. Putting him in blue and white, I think, would be a disservice because he would look Honolulu good. Honolulu blue. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Bucks Saints uh, in the Brady Kryptonite contest. That's my first thought when these games come up because Brady beat the Saints when they won the Super Bowl before they came to Green Bay a couple years ago. They beat the Saints in New Orleans. But aside from that, they beat Brady. The Saints beat Brady every time, no matter how bad the Saints are or how much struggles there are there and how good the Bucs are. The Saints have his number. Did Sean Payton have his number? Some might question. Now Sean Payton's not there anymore. But the Saints defense has beaten the tar out of Tom Brady for the last couple of years and you know, that part of the coaching staff still intact. And the Saints have an awesome roster. I'm really excited to watch possibly Marshawn Lattimore versus Mike Evans. Todd Bowles said earlier today, if he had to guess right now, uh, Godwin's probably not going to play. So we could be looking at the Julio and and uh, Mike Evans game, which would be pretty fun. I just kind of hope the Saints beat the tar out of Brady. It's really fun. I enjoy it. It is. And that's an interest. It's a gritty Saints team where they spent so much at wide receiver this offseason. Well, they get Michael Thomas yeah. back, but they trade up to get Chris Olave in the first round. They bring in Jarvis Landry in free agency. And then Jameis, you know, he looked fine. They had a big comeback win against the Falcons. I don't know what to make of the Saints yet. I have no clue. Are, are, are you cold on Olave or Wilson? I can't remember which one. Olave, mainly. I mean, okay. I, I think he's good. I just don't understand trading up for him in the first round. And forfeiting yeah. a future first round pick. I, I didn't understand why they good. did that for Davenport a couple of years ago, too. I guess that's just kind of their thing. It's also, I will be cheering for the Saints big time. Also, small side note, I think Kamara might be cooked to some degree. Ooh. I know. That's something to monitor. I, yep, th- their is. offense, too, Michael Thomas, Alave, and Landry are all very similar. They all have pretty much the same game. Slant boys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving, moving through Panthers, Giants. I just one word you. I don't. Yuck. I don't want to pay this game any mind except Saquon looks good. That's noteworthy. Brian Dayball is cool. Looks like the Giants he are is. better than they've been under Joe Judge, who is a fraud. But generally, you don't not interested in this game at all. Patriots, Steelers. The best note <laughs> I saw from this game: it's the first time since 1998 since I was born without Big Ben or Brady playing in this game. Yet, I look at it, and you have Big Ben 2.0 in Mitch Trubisky, who plays the exact same way that Ben did last year. So, Big Ben, but the older Big Ben. Then you have Mm -hmm. Brady 2.0, just hasn't really come along yet, and Mac Jones. So, it's, it's kind of a carbon copy, if you will, just with a lower talent level. It is. Uh, Patriots are minus two in this game. I guess I... Can I bet against both teams? <laughs> Steelers without TJ Watt, who's probably their best player. Najee Harris is 
dude, it, we need to learn as a football society that you shouldn't draft an awesome running back if you don't have the situation around them. Like Saquon in New York, he's being wasted because he's not getting any good blocks. He's not getting any help. Same with uh, Najee Harris. I would bet against both of these teams if I could, but that's unfortunately not how betting works. I think we have learned that. When's the good last good organization to take a running back high? The Rams and the Todd Chiefs. Gurley, but they oh high high. Oh uh, yeah, I mean late first. I get it. I do agree because it's either if you don't have a quarterback and you use it's what the Giants did. They didn't have a quarterback. They used a high pick on Saquon. Then you're figuring out the quarterback position while Saquon is actually in his prime. And then when you actually figure out that person, he is either injured or there's a lot of mileage there. You don't want to pay him. It never or works. It gets expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Uh, that is an interesting game for sure. Pat Steelers. The Pats, I mean, they look bad. They looked really bad last week. Yeah. They look boring bad too, man. Like they, they might have the same record this year as the Lions, for example. However, we will love watching the Lions and talking about the Lions where I reserve zero space in my brain for the New England Patriots. 100%. Unless Belichick, Belichick's trying to rewrite the coaching books. And it's not going well to start, but if it does turn around, that is noteworthy. You have Jaguars Colts as well. Uh, and I am wondering if the Jaguars will consider stopping Jonathan Taylor because Houston did not load a box once to do it. And he went nuts. But that, I don't know. That matchup is still kind of a, eh, for me. Do you think Matt Ryan is going to like be good? I'm I think out on Matt Ryan and the Colts. I think he's more of what they've had, honestly. I don't think he'll be as good than good Carson Wentz was last year, but he also won't hand games away that Wentz did as well. True. Like that was a bad tie. I can't really explain that. <laughs> I think he'll figure it out, but yeah. I don't know. Okay. Not in on the Colts as legit contenders. They're a good team, but legit contenders. No Jacksonville's interesting. Cause you know, Trevor Lawrence, they're young. Doug Peterson takes over for the disaster. Urban Meyer became and all that. So it's worth monitoring Dolphins Ravens. I just wrote down one word athletes all over the field in this one. I just, I think about those two teams. It is, they are wicked fast and wicked explosive. The Dolphins are fun. Again, I'm not convinced that the Dolphins will have a significantly better record than the Patriots. It's just amazing how one team could go eight and nine or nine and eight and be exciting and fun and interesting. And another team could go eight and nine or nine and eight and seem like the world's worst football team that's ever been put on the field. So I'm judging a lot of these teams against the Patriots. Look, the dolphins are at least doing something fun and new. And I think last week's win, kind of the way it came about really supercharged McDaniel and some of these players and are getting them to buy in, which I think really makes a difference early. Like look at Nathaniel Hackett and what happened with him in week one. He's going to have to earn back some love and trust of his players. Whereas McDaniel like week one, he made it happen. So I, I don't know if the dolphins are any good, mostly because I don't know if Tua is any good, but they're going to be fun to watch. Tua had a press conference quote. That was interesting. He said, uh, if, if you can't, or if I can't see you, that means you can't see me trying to talk about the receivers and when to throw the ball and stuff. And everyone's like, wait, I, I don't think it works like that. <laughs> Like, if I don't see you, you also could see me in theory if you're turned around the other way. That was interesting. But, yeah, I'm not all the way in on Tua. It's just, like, explosive play after explosive play with Lamar, Rashad Bateman, DuVernay, and then Miami, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle, obviously. 
Yeah. Our boy. Little uh little rapid fire. Falcons Rams. That's just a bad game. I I don't care about that game. Maybe Facts. the Rams look better, but whatever. Yeah. Seattle San Francisco. Uh does Gino the God come down to earth <laughs> in this one? Cuz I mean, he looked very serviceable, uh, workable if you will against the Broncos on Monday. The roster is just not good. Like let's I was be- going to ask you. Who's the Seahawks best player? Yeah, he's on IR. It's Jamal Adams. Yuck. No, you don't believe that, do you? Who I mean, else do they have? Matter. Well, look, DK Metcalf is very good, but he's not very good in like a Tyree kill Devonte Adams type of way where he could like really uplift the rest of the offense. I, that's the thing. I There's no elite players on the Seahawks team, really. Yeah, no, it's hard to argue with that. I would, I could see Metcalf as an answer there. A healthy Jamal Adams. What a horrible trade. Two first round yeah, picks man. for a safety man. when your roster is already not good. Puke. Uh, mismanagement there. Wonder, wonder why Wilson uh, decided to push his way out under, under the table <laughs> behind the scenes. Speaking of Russell Wilson, Houston versus Denver. Uh, let Russ cook down the sideline every play and never, never grant to the middle of the field. What if the Texans make this game very close? What if this is a game? I've already what does that mean. I've already called the Falcons Nebraska of the NFL just because of how they find ways to blow games. The Texans could become the Nebraska of the NFL in the sense that they find a way to make every game close when it shouldn't be. <laughs> I love how often we bring up Nebraska on this damn show. You could see how much I care about them. I or well, they're it. just such a they're just such a great example for a million different things. Yeah, it's it's very important to me. Uh, but Davis Mills can play. Again, big quarterback doesn't want you to know, but Davis Mills is all right. <laughs> big just like big quarterback doesn't really want you to know that Carson Wentz was okay last week. And along the same lines, a, a double a double jeopardy for the commanders. Big wide receiver doesn't want anyone to know that Jahan Dotson was the best rookie in in, in playing wide receiver last week. I will note that yes, Wentz made a lot of impressive throws and they won, <laughs> but he, on two straight drives, he threw interceptions. One of them on a screen. Like he still is Carson Wentz at, at the core where he will do his best to hand a game away. Yes. The Jaguars just couldn't capitalize. They were dropping balls in the red zone and all that stuff. Cincinnati, Dallas, think it's time to get a vomit bag if you're the Cowboys fans I just know I don't know how time is that game on do I have to watch that game I would doubt it it is on at 3 30 on CBS I was gonna say that's gonna be our CBS game I got a new uh small side note I got a new TV antenna in my apartment I'm pulling in all the local stations I used to only be able to get NBC and Fox but Fox would be kind of you know swifty now I can get CBS crystal clear so my AFC takes are going to skyrocket this season. I think we're going to get this game on CBS, actually. It is Arizona versus Las Vegas. Mm, also okay. on 3.30 in the Fraud Watch game. The Fraud Watch game. I mean... Carr versus Kyler. No, not quarterback-wise, team-wise. Oh. Like, I like Carr. He's going to throw for a lot of yards, and Devontae Adams will catch a lot of them. But are they that good to even come close in the AFC West? I would lean no. The Cardinals, I their defense looked like nothing against Mahomes last week. Are they good to... I, the NFC West looks winnable at this point, but I, I don't know if the Cardinals are a playoff team. No. They're uh, not. And then the final three, Tennessee versus Buffalo. 
Uh, that's just like that game's going to be close. You think Everyone, so? 100%. It's the same Man. deal with the bad loss and the big win, and they come back and 10 point spread in Buffalo week two. I don't know. It, it, the Bills win, but it'll be close. That's That's how I see it. The Vikings are visiting the Eagles, and for Packer fans, they will enjoy to hear my one sentence about this game. In the game where the last time the Vikings visited Philly, they did the skull chant on the Rocky Steps and lost 38-7. to Big mistake. A critical mistake. <laughs> and finally, it is Green Bay versus Chicago, a game that we will expand upon coming up next in the Get Right Sunday for the Green Bay yeah. Packers, at least at this point in the season. 877-867-1670. You want to chime in, do it. We're talking Packers-Bears. More coming up next. It's the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It is the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills here with you. He is at Wisco Grant on Twitter. If you want to find him, I'm at Ben Z Kenny. Twitter poll up the topic of the day, aside from it being Prediction Friday. Who's the most responsible for making this Packers offense work? 62% say Rodgers. 27% say LaFleur. 11% still say the young wide receivers. Grant, I have a practice update. Coming from Matt Schneiderman of The Athletic on Twitter. All 53 players on the active roster today are practicing for the Packers. That includes, notably, John Runyon Jr., who is still in concussion protocol, but has reached the stage of it where he can practice. So, good news there. Uh, I don't know about the tackles, but I'm believing more and more we will see Lazard. If we could see uh, John Runyon out there, that is a big, big time uh, bolstering of the line up front. Maybe you start Tom there instead of Hanson come Sunday. I want to ask you, though, with Lazard possibly playing and him practicing yeah. today, when we start the green and gold post game show on Sunday and Bill's talking about the game, who leads the rece- uh, the Packers, excuse me, in receiving yards on Sunday night? Is it Aaron Jones? Wow. Or were you about to give me options? Well, I was going to go with options, but I to Hold give on. you a second to think. Answer. Give me give me some options. Well, there is Lazard in his return. Everyone uh, expects him to be the one and is the guy with the connection with Rodgers. There is Christian Watson, who many are boldly predicting will surpass 100 yards this weekend. I, he was open a lot in Minnesota. He has the ability. Does the ball go there? We shall see. And then... There's Tunyon, I guess, who uh, looks spry, surprisingly spry in a good way after coming back from the ACL. Finally, the running backs uh, do the checkdowns, do the designed plays to get the ball in the hands of the running backs work. What say you? Is it still Jones? Yeah, because I think at some point Jones has like a 40 yard run and catch or catch and run. And I think that'll kind of goose his numbers a little bit. I also think they're going to feel really dumb only giving him the ball a handful of times on Sunday. So they're going to look to make up for it. I think Lazard might get some third down, fourth down targets. And I think Tunyon might sneaky catch a touchdown or two. I think he might be the red zone guy. But I think the meat and potatoes moving the ball between the 20s, I think that's Aaron Jones. And I think his total will be helped substantially, his receiving yard total by like 
catching one that nets him 40, 50 yards. Do you think that's one of those overcorrection week two moments where we saw the outlier in the poor direction with eight total touches in Minnesota, and then they come back and try to force feed a bit maybe to get him going, but also in a good way because it will work? I think so. I think A.J. Dillon's role should stay like the same from week one. I thought he had a pretty nice role. Maybe they run the ball a little bit more, and that bumps his number up just a bit. But I think A.J. Dillon is nice in a role. He's the compliment to Jones. The problem was he didn't have much to compliment because they really didn't use Jones much. Yeah, game script will help, no doubt. I don't expect the Packers will find themselves down for pretty much the entire game. So running the ball will be a, a better strategy and will fit in with the game plan and what they try to do. Southside Geo, excuse me, uh, hits us up on Twitter, said, look, dude, A.J. Dillon is what makes this team go. He needs, uh, and I mean needs, 20 carries a game, and he catches more passes than your guy Jones at Wisco Grant as well. Uh, I am I am all the way in on A.J. Dillon. Him and Jones is the one-two is lethal. I just, for them to be the best one-two on Sunday in Minnesota, it was only a one. And A.J. Dillon got 10 carries. I agree. I'd give him more carries. Aaron Jones had five carries. I'd give him the ball more out of the backfield as well. But when you're talking about how this offense can operate uh, to its best ability, five catches for 46 yards to A.J. Dillon leading the team, it's not the recipe there. And a lot of those, some of those were design catches. A lot of those were Rodgers quickly just tossed it out or he was checking it down there to Dillon. And Dillon did a great job with it. I just, that's not what I want the offense to look like all the time. So give the ball to Dylan, the red zone beast as well. You want to grind out a possession. He's your guy, but a 50, 50 split of touches with him and Aaron Jones, maybe with a lot of Jones coming, receiving the football. That's what I need to see. Not what we saw last weekend. We need more Aaron Jones. I said on last night's show, I think the night before it all starts to run together. Ben, Ben Kenny, you get it. Um, Look at what all the best offensive coaches in the league are doing. They're just creating ways to get their best player the ball. It's actually a great day and age to be an offensive centerpiece because there are no rules. You can line up wherever. You can line up wide receivers in the backfield and running backs out wide, slot, flanker, split on. It doesn't matter. There are no rules. So don't use any rules with the way you use Aaron Jones this weekend. Yep. 877-867-1670. I do see the scenario, though, where... Uh, Christian Watson, after what we saw, like what if Rogers looks at week one, the similar kind of overcorrection that you're talking about with maybe we give the ball to Jones and uh, to a fault, maybe too much, but to get him going. So we see a lot of him on Sunday. What if Rogers looks at week one and says, you know what? At the end of the day, like Christian Watson's open. I'm just going to throw him the football and he's going to get open a lot. And I'm just going to feed it to him and he's going to get catches and we're going to stack success. Mike McCarthy's words. Nice. I could see the scenario where that happens, where Rodgers does look at week one and say, you know what? Like he needs the football and he will be open and I'm going to get it to him. I would love that. I would love, I would love that. That would be great. Um, I think the trap you could fall into is if you try to target Watson, maybe too much too early, the bears get a sneaky fluky touchdown early. You're down seven to nothing. Watson can't catch the ball. Now Rodgers is pissed. The energy in Lambeau is uneasy. I'm uneasy at home. It, it, it just could, you know, a little, little more dangerous than Jones. I think they should target Watson a bunch. Absolutely, because I think these types of games, especially at home, you I mean you're a 10-point favorite. I'm not trying to disrespect the Bears here. Like, this is a game where you can just experiment. 
and try things. We are a double-digit uh, favorite at home. Work Watson in two. Get him a bunch of targets. Try a bunch of different things. Yeah, and then there's obviously the, what if Lazard just comes back and is force-fed Devontae type stuff? There's a scenario there too. I, I could see it going a lot of ways. I don't think I'm firmly on one guy leading the team. If I had to guess, I would say Lazard because I think Rodgers and Lazard's yeah. presence means a lot to him in key scenarios, third down, and just in general. Lazard has the ability 100%. And I, maybe the Bears try to scheme him out of the game, and that would be a surprising uh, strategy. I think they would focus more on the running backs, if anything, try to stack, not stack the box completely because Rodgers will tear you up, but play more shell. Don't maybe focus and double team guys and then commit a lot of your linebackers underneath to the running backs. And Roquan Smith's a baller there. So maybe he has the impact where even when Jones gets the ball, Roquan Smith is flying around. But I, Lazard's presence, I could see the scenario unfolding. I guess this is the one I'll pick with uh, who's going to lead the team. You're going Lazard? I think so. I, I just think right. it's it's comforting for Rodgers. Maybe that gets Rodgers going. Maybe that gets Rodgers back to the rookies as well where with Lazard there, he knows he is there, and it's not just a bunch of new faces and Randall Cobb running on the outside. So maybe the eyes stay downfield a second longer. Maybe he's drawn more to actually try to push it because Lazard is just there. And he gets the ball sometimes, he doesn't, but the passing game as a whole operates better. That's a that's yeah. Optimus Ben speaking, but I could see it happening. I like Optimus Ben. I want to be friends with Optimus Ben. Yeah, he's uh, he, he, he's tough sometimes. Like a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 877-867-1670. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Coming up in an hour, Mike Clemens will join the show, break down tomorrow's game against the Bears. We have a lot more to get to on this football Friday, a prediction Friday. Got to talk a little Badgers coming up. New Mexico State comes into town. How much does it actually mean? We'll tell you next. It's the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, we are back. It is the Bill Michael Show. It is a Friday. That is Grant Bills. I am Ben Kenny. 877-867-1670. Twitter as well at Ben Z Kenny if you want to chime in on the show. Badgers coming up. I mean, it's not the focal point of today. Obviously, uh, the Packers do reign supreme. The Packers are also playing the Bears, and it is a rivalry game. The Badgers, meanwhile, New Mexico State comes into town. Grant Bills, they are 0-3. The Aggies are with losses to Nevada, Minnesota, and UTEP. They are a bottom 10 ranked team in the country by ESPN SP+. They have a uh, two-quarterback kind of system that works but as I mentioned yesterday, Wisconsin struggled when they were in opponent territory against Washington State. They were good in the red zone. Two of three, technically, with the fumble. Uh, really, two of two with Mertz touchdowns. But overall, only 2.8 points uh, per every time they were in opponent territory, which is uh, you need to be better than that. That's why they lost. That's why they were upset. However, a lot of quality drives there, which is a good good news. You go to the other side, if you think 2.8 is bad, New Mexico State, 0.72 points every time they get in opponent's territory, which is putrid. Uh, they are, uh, and I, I don't know how to say this lightly, I, like, they're just bad. Minnesota outgained them 500 to 91, and they kept their foot off the gas at the end 
It's just uh, this game will not be close. It's a get right spot for the Badgers as it is for the Packers. But really so you can get all the anger from last week, all of the miscues and missteps and get them all out and play a clean game. That's the biggest thing. Um, There's a lot of things you need to see from the team. But overall, this is a, a good get right spot. What sucks is they're staring two and two right in the face. Like we thought three, and oh, you go into Ohio State, you know, you're riding high. Even if you lose, you're still OK. Now they're looking at two and one entering the Ohio State game, which is not at all what you ask for. Why does Jerry kill not ever wear his hat straight? That's <laughs> the first thing I want to discuss about this game. It's like, you know, Pedro Strope, like a baseball player. They're creatures of habit. He always has his hat on cockeyed. I don't get Jerry kill. Even when he was at Minnesota, he would just have his hat on, like, not sideways, but, like, just offset enough. That's what I couldn't get over watching Minnesota, New Mexico State a couple of weeks ago. I almost forgot that Jerry Kill was still around, first of all. I thought he retired because he had epilepsy, and then I went back and I read his whole story again. I guess, I, I don't know, if I was Jerry Kill, maybe I'd just retire rather than coast the worst, the worst team, excuse me, in college football. As far as the actual football points, like you said, I just want a good offensive line performance, man. That's what I want. Just no penalties. Just beat the tar out of the other team at the line of scrimmage and really start to get back into a groove and start to look like the Wisconsin offensive line that we've gotten so used to over the last really two decades. Grant, they need to make a field goal really badly. <laughs> like last yeah, week was bad enough where I, Paul Christ is not going to go off of Vito Calvaruso for who came in because he had the one miss and you're not going to go off of him after the one miss. You're going to run him back out there for the second it was a long miss. The first one was, and yeah, the timing was bad. He kind of stutter stepped. And he said after the game, I, it wasn't timed right. And which is on me, you're going to run him out there for the second. But after the second, when he just chunks it and the, his foot hits the ground four or five inches behind the ball. And he misses that as well. You have another guy, Nate Van Zelst on the roster. You just, I don't care who it is. They need to make a damn field goal. Like this team, it sounds very simple. And the Packers overcame it last year when Mason Crosby was struggling. But a team with a, a little margin for error like Wisconsin that's supposed to do all the things right, to have all the little things be done wrong and not be able to capitalize on three points when you're in opponent territory, that's the difference for them between winning and losing. So if, if they could make yes. field goals on Saturday, as simple as it sounds, I would feel a lot better coming out of this game. Wisconsin special teams have been poor. Have we tried not having a special teams coach? That seems logical. That seems like something I would do. You say that jokingly because uh, as we speak today, they do not have a special teams coach. Well, that's that's typically how I would address a problem is assign nobody to it and just hope that it gets better. Uh, yeah, kind of neglect. I mean, There's been a lot of neglect to special teams. Yeah, look, they could go for every fourth down and I'd be fine with it. I'm very pro fourth down. We talked about this earlier in the show. But you make an outstanding point. Wisconsin's margin for error is so much slimmer than that of obviously Ohio State, but Michigan or, you know, Minnesota looks solid too. Like there are other decent to good teams in the Big Ten that have a wider margin for Aaron error, excuse me, than Wisconsin does. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers on the brain, Freudian slip. If they are going to be committing dumb penalties and be putting themselves behind the sticks, they're going to lose games. They can't overcome a second and 20 
they can't overcome not being able to make field goal. You know what I mean? Like, these are errors that the Badgers cannot afford to make, that other teams maybe can. Except when Washington State inexplicably drops back into zone on every third and 15, and Mertz just absolutely shreds them. It's it's also a big overall football theory where the best teams in the long term are the ones that convert the most first downs on first and second, meaning statistically per series, they face the fewest third downs. There are some teams that are terrific on third down, but it's also kind of more like an outlier situation where, you know, stuff happens. It's the same deal of uh, if you're a great fourth down team, or if you're a great running team, you get to fourth and one, you're still leaving room for something to happen during that play to ruin your drive. So I, they have been the Badgers unbelievably good on third down Mertz as well. Uh, I think they converted six of, or he's six of nine on third down on Saturday was throwing the ball all over. But in the long run, this team cannot face third down at that rate. It's not going to work. Let's just avoid it. Let's just move the sticks on first and second down. And then we never have to face a third down. I think focusing on down and distance, especially on third down is a little overrated. People say, well, you know, we got to involve the run game to get ourselves in third manageable. How we just don't get to third. Let's just get right to first down again. Let's avoid third down altogether when possible. Uh, It's easier said than done when the offense can't create space on any of the early downs, which I mean, early returns. Listen, Bobby Ingram comes in first time offensive coordinator. Early returns are not great. There was not enough space created on early downs for that team. They just they couldn't get anything going. And as a result, they were it's the same deal. The third down thing with when you play an inferior team, the longer you keep them in the game and allow for crazy stuff to happen, like penalties, two missed field goals, a mm-hmm. fumble in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Then naturally, one time out of five or one time out of six, however frequent it happens, you're going to lose those games eventually. So I, yeah. I don't know. Spacing. That's the well, word of the why day. You need big explosive plays, right? Because you can't put together, you know, half a dozen drives where you go 80 yards, 10 plays, you know, three, four yards at a time. Because when you're putting these long sustained drives together, the more plays you run, the greater chance you have a holding penalty or a fumble or a dropped pass, right? You just, you need to keep executing over and over and over again. Whereas if you can score a 40 yard touchdown because of a great pitch and catch, then there's no risk for a penalty. Then there's no right because you're not crossing the street as many times, right? When you put together an 80 yard drive, that's 12 plays, you're crossing the street again and again and again. And the more times you cross the street, the greater chance that you just, you know, get smoked by a car. Big plays are important. Badgers don't have very many of them. Yeah, you don't usually say those two names, Wisconsin and explosiveness, in the same sentence. <laughs> Unless it's 2019 and Jonathan Taylor, Quintus Cephas, and Jack Cohen are on the offense. It's something they got to yeah. figure out. Eight, Jack seven, Cohen, seven. probably the most important of that group. I would maybe argue Cephas <laughs> even had a tail. Okay. No, it's Taylor. Eight yeah. seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Going to step away. Take a quick break. Mike Clemens joins us at one thirty to break down Packers Bears. A lot more to come. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy is the number to get a hold of the program. If you want to do it, we're going to step away here. More Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. It's the Packers and the Bears on Sunday Night Football from here at Lambeau Field. Matt LaFleur had his team work out in just pads and shorts yesterday after a fully padded practice on Wednesday. We noticed that left tackle David Bakhtiari was not out there. LaFleur revealed that that's the plan for Bakhtiari moving forward, even if and when he returns to playing in games. We've said that, so he will not practice even, you know, when he is fully back. Um, in terms of into the lineup, he's not going to practice three days in a row. So it'll be a day on, a day off, a day on. There's not many people that probably can can have a schedule like that, but I do believe and we believe as an organization that he's one of those guys. The Bears had a good pass rush last Sunday in their win over the 49ers, led by veteran linebacker Roquan Smith, Aaron Rodgers. I feel like Roquan kind of has been coming into his own ever since he got in the league. Uh, I was happy. I remember week one he'd kind of held out and I, we were all pretty happy about that because he's a difference maker. He's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He's an excellent rusher. Uh, against backs on his blitzes. He can cover. Uh, he can do it all. A lot of former Packers now on the Bears staff, including wide receiver Equinemia St. Brown, offensive lineman Lucas Patrick, and offensive coordinator Luke Getze. Packers defensive lineman Dean Lowry, who grew up a Bears fan in Rockford and played at Northwestern, says that they're curious what the new head coach Matt Eberflus will bring. Yeah, that, well, that's one strength, I think, in their favor is that they are more unpredictable because it's their first-year head coach. So it's not we're not really sure what kind of scheme they're going to run throughout, throughout the whole year. So, um, But there is uh, some sense of familiarity with Coach Getty being here on staff and all those things. So um, just in these kind of games, you got to rely on fundamentals and go out there and perform. That's Packers defensive lineman Dean Lowry. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Clemens joins coming up at 1. How are the Packers going to stop Fields? What do they have to do to stop? I a feel I love Justin Fields. I think he's a really good quarterback. Held back a bit by personnel, though had a good day, pretty good day, week one. What do they have to do? We'll talk about that at the top of the hour. Grant Bills, we have a minute and a half here, and as often is the case, live golf news in this minute and a half. Yes. Uh, Mr. Phil Mickelson, the, the king of uh, defecting away from the tour and trying to help it while also uh, helping a force that is seeking to destroy it was in a lawsuit trying to sue his way back into tour events uh, as well as other players. He is considering dropping out of the lawsuit because it is quote, not for me. (sighs) I wonder if there's a point where he finally realizes the damage he's doing to the sport. And while yes, there are things that have been done and changes that have been made since live started that I needed to have been made. However, the avenue of which to go about seeking these changes and having them be done is just completely wrong. You are making a new tour with the purpose of taking away players, therefore tanking the tour's entire business model. So it, dropping out of the lawsuit, it's not for me. I wonder if he finally realizes, you know, what he's, what he's doing. Because there's no backtracking from this. Well, the damage has been done now. Is he just trying to avoid the flack that's going to come in the next six months, especially in, in the off season? As golf people really don't have events to talk about. Uh-huh. So we're just going to talk about mm-hmm. the state of golf. and Disagree. The Fortinet, or otherwise known as the Fortnite Championship in Silverado, oh. in California. Napa, going on now. Oh. 
That's a bad event. Well, excuse it's, me. No one really cares until, I don't know, January. Like the, the fall is not a yeah. big time because it's football season. And the tour does get that right. The live, meanwhile, is they have a tournament starting today. Will I watch? No. Am I interested in it? Also, no. Oh. And that's golf talk. No, like. That's talking golf. I don't care about the birdies and the bogeys, I mean. Like, yeah, I might follow the storylines from it because Greg Norman can't shut up. Can't stop going on podcasts like Rogers. Um, but birdies and bogeys, I don't care at all. All right. We're going to step away. Final hour, loaded final hour. It's coming up next. It's the Bill Michael Show. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.